You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. My name is Michael. I am one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today, for real. Um, Man, that text, I just love this this portion of God's Word. I can't wait to talk about it for a bit, um, and there's just so much that we can't say in this short period of time, but first, I just want to pray, and I would ask that you join me in that. Holy Spirit, today, would you do work? Would you encourage the brokenhearted, and would you build up the weary? Would you empower the meek to be bold on your behalf? Would you give hope to the hopeless? And by these words today, would you equip this church family to to go, to make much of you, to live full lives wherever you have us in this city uh, in another city across the world. God, would you, would you equip us to be your people wherever you have us? God, would you let us be bold missionaries, making much of you through truth and love uh, and, and all of uh, the influence that you have given us as your people individually and, and as community groups meet throughout, throughout this city and in Butler County this week? Would you let us be sources of light in dark places? And as this church comes together and meets in a basement week in, week out, would you let us, as, a, as, as your church gathered, be light in the darkness around us? We love you and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, do you want to move to San Diego? My wife said yes. She didn't know I was going to ask that. Here's the thing. Um, that question, over the years, um, ha- has, has been a suitable solution to the woes of life for my wife and I. And to be clear, like, we're not moving to San Diego. And I understand, oh, living in California, all the things, right? But, but here's the thing. Uh, for us, there's like some sweet, some sweetness. We've only been there a couple times. And like, in our, our hearts and mind in, in our experiences, there's something about it. Certainly the weather is magical and all those things, uh, although consistent, all right? And so if you like variety, maybe it's not your thing or whatever, but, but there's just an ease about it. And I know if we lived there, we would have, you know, we might have to work there, which would probably change things. But there is in our minds and our hearts like this rest that when we like on our just worst days, like... You ready to go to San Diego, right? And, and to be clear, we, we are not doing that. And, and to be clear, we love our life, and we love this city, and we love you all with all that we have, and we love our home and our family and, and all the things. But, but even so, sometimes we want to escape all the difficulty and, and the burden that this life brings and just go to, um, to a burden-free place and and on this earth, for my wife and I, you know, we're going to San Diego, right? Um, 
I, I couldn't really preach on this or say those words without, it's like the obligatory quote from C.S. Lewis that I have to give you just on the front end to get it out of the way. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe it's just us, but like you're here, but you're not here, or like the world spins, and you, you hear your alarm, and you smash it until finally you have to get up, and then you, you eat something maybe, and you go to work or school, or you, or you spend time doing whatever you have to do around the house, and you respond to 10,000 texts, and then before you know it, you're going to sleep again, and you, and you repeat, and you do all the things, and there are all the people around, and if there was like a soundtrack to your life, it would be like that the beat goes on, and yet, in in some subtle or maybe not so subtle ways, we find ourselves discontent. Like, like you or something just doesn't quite fit. Like you say things like, man, this is not the way that things are supposed to be. And you see the world around you and you can just look around and observe and you think, man, something is amiss. It is. Something is amiss. God, through his word... He helps us overcome and practice the notion of discontentment and in want and in plenty, as Paul says it, right? And, and, uh, but, but even when our hearts are in a good place and even when, when our minds are centered on Jesus and, and all that he makes us and, and all of the noise around us just kind of diffuses into the background and, and even the circumstances of our life like seem okay, still there seems like a hopeful longing that you just can't quite grab. And the reality is the way that the Bible talks about God's people and the world in which we live, he uses words like this, uh, sojourner, right? Sojourner is like, one who, who goes from one place to the next. And he uses words like, like passerby. And he uses words like alien and like foreigner. And, and this theme that, that's, that's from cover to cover, he uses this word exile. Like you're in a place that, that's not quite home. And sometimes we see it firsthand in very clear ways. Like in this text, literally God's people are, are called exiles. But, but in all of life, as we kind of zoom out, we see this in just a general sense in the fabric of all of life for those who are in Christ. But God is not far from us. He understands your situation. Uh, we are not alone. You're not alone. The, the others in this room get you if you find yourself here. But, but at times that leaves us with like, a, okay... Like, I understand these kind of tensions that, that this isn't our home, but, but then the question is like, so what then? How do I live in this world unsettled with all that swirls knowing that this is not my forever home? And what difference does it make? The burden of this text today is this. When, when you're in a place that doesn't feel like home, seek God and do good. And that sounds really simple. Now, some of you are like, wait, he's preaching the law. He's telling us just to do good. So be, before you freak out, all right, uh, it's okay for God to tell us to do good things. For, as God's people, we get to do good things. But here's the thing. We are not loved or accepted. Uh, we're not doing good things to be loved, to be accepted, or to earn anything from God. But because we are loved, 
in the finished work of Jesus, because we are accepted by him, because we are equipped and sent to join God's mission, we get to seek God and do good. So we find ourselves, part three of a four-part sermon series called Go, and we've looked at kind of personal evangelism and what the gospel is, and we looked at kind of neighbor and community evangelism, and today we're looking at kind of this notion of, of city go. Like, what does it look like for us to be God's light in a broken city around us. And so Jeremiah, he was a prophet. This is about 600 years before Jesus came, right? He's a prophet. He's kind of a big deal. He's called a major prophet, right? And, and he said lots of words, right? Many chapters of the book of Jeremiah. And, and he was a prophet to God's people in the, the southern kingdom, uh, plus or minus 25 years of, of 600 B.C., right? And so he was a prophet, God's messenger for, for quite a long time, and he was speaking to God's people in Judah in the south, and, and uh, you, you've heard Israel and Judah maybe, and there are 12 tribes of Israel, and, and there are 10 in the north that make up Israel. They've already been demolished by the Assyrians, and then Jeremiah is speaking to the southern kingdom that has Jerusalem, which is like the capital city, kind of a big deal, Right where God's people worshipped, and and the Babylonians like these these meanies, they're coming in, and and they're and they're going to wreak havoc. And so Jeremiah speaks to them before the Babylonians are doing that, and now where we pick up, he's speaking to them kind of after it's it's happening. All right, and so here's what's going on. One, this is surprisingly relatable, like in ways that are like, gosh, it's incredible for, for something that happened, you know, 2,600 years ago. For these universal truths to come true in our life today, that's pretty cool. And then um, what, what we see is there's chaos, and there's this iron-fisted Babylon. They're, they're maintaining control of those that they've conquered, both God's people, Israel, and, and the Jews, and, and others. And then we see like plotting, and planning, and revolts, and rebellions, and false prophets stirring them. And Jeremiah comes in, and, and he writes a letter, and he assures and he centers God's people with hope. And, and, and this letter that he writes helps them, helps us find a way to live here for now as God's people. So let's jump and join it. Uh, Jeremiah 29. I'm going to read just verse 1 through 3. First, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so you might be saying, Nebuchadnezzar, I've, I've heard of that before, right? That's because the Bible is not like some separate line of history. It is, it is the history of humanity, all right? And so you may have heard about this in history class. That's okay. So, so he says, this was after King Jeconiah, and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. So basically he's saying all of the people who do anything, all the civil servants, all the factory workers, all the, the police officers, everyone had, had left. They'd been taken away as exiles. And then in verse 3, I'm not going to read this, but if you're looking for like uh, baby names, there's a bunch in there. All right. Um, and so we see Jeremiah offer hope through this letter that he writes to God's people living in exile. And, and he, asks, he, he helps us answer this question. How do God's people live in a world that's not their home? And the first thing he says, he says this, establish roots. 
right? Establish roots. Let me read verses 4 through 6. Thus, this is the letter that he's written to God's people. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. It's kind of simple. Can you imagine? Like, there's the, uh, I know this is painful because some of you may have lived this, but, you know, the, the idea of a child being taken out, of, taken out of a home and placed into another home. And just how disorienting and how difficult, even if it was for good reasons, that, that is, that's difficult. Can you imagine, not like a child or not like one family, but a whole city, a whole nation, God's people, taken from their home and assimilated into uh, the normal life in a society that looks nothing like the one that they came from. Can you imagine? And in those situations, people put in positions like that, they, they kind of weave between two dangers, false hope and no hope. And he addresses those in this passage like uh, false hope, unmet expectations. And, and he'll talk in just a few minutes about, about false prophets speaking lies to God's people. And he says, don't listen to them. They are not from the Lord. And then you can just imagine false hopes. And then you, you imagine the other side of it, that, that there's just no hope. That it's just complete despair. Or, or like in common language, it's, it's fight or flight. And many of us know there are more than two uh, options uh, that start with the letter F, right? You can fight, or you can flight, or you can freeze, or you can flood, or you can fawn, or you, you can fatigue. But the, the issue is, there are lots of things that we do when things come against us that we can't control, and, and we kind of just freak out, right? And some might just fall over, and some might, some might just freeze completely. Some might just put up their fist like, I don't, I don't know. But you can imagine that, that there's, there's chaos and God speaks his word and he gives rest and he gives direction and he knows the scene and he knows the chaos and he speaks settling peace in simple encouragement. Here's the thing. Like the world doesn't always feel good. I, I don't have to, to tell you that. Like cities ache neighborhoods cry out. Stuff's not right. And there's this idea that's both biblical and it's, and it's also very difficult. And it requires understanding and it requires balance. It's this idea that, that we are just passing through. That if this, if as C.S. Lewis says, right, we were made for another home, and, and the Bible affirms that, that this is not our home, that, that we're just passing, passing through. And, and that's true, so, so we must keep our hands open as we hold on to the things of this world. Like we can't go all in so much that we forget who we are or whose we are. Or as John Calvin says, he says, For while we are in this world, 
It is fitting that we should be like birds upon the branch. Like, what do you know about a bird upon a branch? It's easily spooked, and it goes away very quickly. It's not in its home. It's not settled. So he's saying, there's this idea that that this isn't our home, and so we get to be like birds upon the branch, and we just get to wait for God to take us somewhere else or for us to just run to, to some other place. But the reality is, this life, it, it's also not that this life doesn't matter. This life does matter. It's, it's more than just a long layover in a foreign city. This life that you live, right? It's, it's not our eternal home, yet we come into existence as far as we know here. All of our experiences are from this life in this world. It's all that we know. It's all that we have. And in this moment, it's all that we can control is this life. So the Jews, they're in exile they found themselves on, on the same planet, but in a whole new world of change and uncertainty. In this world that they were in, it wasn't founded on God's word. It was the, the mighty Babylonian empire. It, it didn't submit to God's law, and it wasn't ideal for God's people. Like, if Dorothy showed up there, she would be like, I, like, I have a feeling we're not in Jerusalem anymore. Right? And everyone would like, yeah, that, that's true. And my guess is that even God's people, as they were brought from their home to this other home, my guess is that they didn't all just get along, and they didn't all just see things rightly, and they didn't all just know how to engage the culture around them with, with crystal clear unity and clarity. You would imagine some were like, what a sweet opportunity. Right? Let's, let's live it up and, and let's be, while in Babylon, let's be Babylonian. You know that happened. And then you have the other type that might respond in an entirely different way. So God sends Jeremiah. And what does he say? Build houses and live. Find a place. Settle down. Plant gardens and eat. You're like, gardens? Ah, there's never much of a gardener. Yeah, but, but when you garden because you need to eat, then you become a gardener. And so he's, he's not saying like, oh, make a, a flower bed. He's saying, get a job. Take care of yourself. Pay the rent. Multiply, he says. Man, have a family and have kids and grandkids. Why, why does he say that? Because he's not saying sit on the branch. He's saying call it home for now. Because that's what it is. And so he says be fruitful. And so you put all these things together. Build houses and plant gardens and, and marry and raise a family. He's saying thrive. Look, this isn't a command to, to just stay in your hometown Establishing roots isn't like, well, you know where your, your grandparents went to school, and so you know where your parents went to school. It's not, it's not fathering, uh, following your father's footsteps. It's not, it's not just staying in your little hometown because that's what everyone else does. 
but it is an encouragement to settle and to live. This is anti-revolt, and this is anti-hermit. It's not a command to worship false gods and idols, nor is it an encouragement to disengage from community. It's not a call to take up arms, nor is it a call to ignore the gift of civic opportunity. Get a job. He doesn't say pay taxes. But he's saying be a good citizen and and do these things. It's a call for, for God's people, Jews then, Christians today, to contribute to the good of the city by being part of God uh, designed for community so that it might flourish. This is difficult. This is not easy. And, and some, I imagine then, and I know it's also true today, some just can't function in a society that doesn't put God's character and name on display. But for the record, that has been most of human society throughout all of history. You don't find yourself in a unique situation today. Sure, there are unique contexts. But, but don't be so quick to consider this the end. Because trust me, our brothers and our sisters have been living this way far worse than the life that we walk out of this basement and onto the, far worse than we live for for thousands of years. God's people feeling like, gosh, is this it? Because this doesn't feel like home. Because it isn't home. The exile is not, it's not the ideal. And, and your situation won't always be ideal. Yet Jeremiah tells them to, to embrace it, to settle in, to buy a home, to get a job. And, and, and if it would be, raise a family and multiply. Be God's people wherever you are. In other words, he says, don't waste your life complaining, despairing, regretting, growing bitter and cold and alienating and villainizing, but, but live the life that God has invited you to live no matter when, no matter where, no matter what the circumstances. Now, I guess the, the inverse danger would be to love this world, to love this life, to love the things that this world offers so much that we forget that this isn't our home. We might call that, you know, gaining the world and forfeiting our soul. Like, that's, that's a ditch that we must be mindful of as well. But, but it's not a call to forsake. It's a call to be God's people where he has placed you. It's a call to, to go, Right? So, how did God's people live in a world not their home? They establish roots. Secondly, they advance good. Right? And that is just the simplest way that I could say what this text says. I'm going to read just verse 7. He says, but seek the welfare of the city. Like, seek its good is what that means. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. You could imagine some of the lies were that this is not God's plan. 
Like, isn't that always the first thing that we go to when things are really bad? And that doesn't mean that we don't get to cry out and we don't get to... It just means that sometimes we're in situations that we wouldn't write for ourselves because God wrote those. He sent them into exile. So, so, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Right, advance good. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray for it because if it's thriving, then you're thriving. If it's being blessed by the Lord, then, then you're going to be blessed by the Lord. Consider the context. As, as a reminder, this is not a God-fearing city. This is not built upon God's ways. Yet, seek God and do good. Plead for this city that, that God would bless the city. Pray for them. Don't pray at them, which would be really easy to do. Pray for them, that God might be for them. Because as he's for the context in which you live, the exile that he has sent you, man, that's, that's going to be good for you as well. In this book, uh, 12 Faithful Men, Colin Hansen, he says, as Christians, our aim must be to grow in confidence in God's good purposes for us in all things so that we can embrace even our worst trials as coming from his fatherly and loving hand. Still, though God is sovereign, we don't always know his will for the future. We are called to depend on a sovereign God as pilgrims and strangers exiles in this world. So again, what doesn't he tell them? And, and I want you to know this. I wrote this two weeks ago. He doesn't say overthrow the government. He doesn't say run for the hills. He doesn't say induce panic, spread lies. He doesn't say believe in false saviors or false hope. He doesn't say weep and mourn the loss of the good old days. To be clear, we get to weep and we get to lament. And we get to mourn. Instead, he tells them to pursue the good of the city. Advance good. Come alongside good work. Stir others towards good. Remember God and plead with him to shine his light upon this darkened world. I guess this is in the Old Testament, right? Like I said before, Jesus came. The, the New Testament equivalent of Jesus telling his followers that he has sent them into the world looks like this. Jesus is praying this high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And it's super interesting, the stuff that he says. Because he's like praying to God, but, but he knows that people are around. And he's saying these things like between, it's just between me and you, God, but like he knows they're listening. And the stuff that he says are like and huge encouragements for them. And he says this, I have given them 
your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of this world. See that? Jesus wasn't like living in this theocratic, utopian society. It wasn't all good. And Jesus says, as I'm praying, and and as they're listening, Father, you know I've not asked for you to take them out of this world. And they're like, please, God. Uh, Or maybe they say something like this, come, Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm here, and I'm praying that, that you're here as well. And he goes on, he says, but that you keep them from the evil one. Because this place is dark. And it's rough. It's rough for your people to be in this place that is not their forever home. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So he says, sanctify them in truth. means set them apart in truth. Your word is truth. So this idea that, that they are not of this world, that we are not of this world, and yet God's people are sent into this world. See, the promise is, is never that as we do good, all is well, and we'll live safe, uh, happy, full, cushy, comfy lives. That, that is never the promise. That is a false hope. The call is to advance good, And to trust God because He is good and we are not. So we get to lean into the places that God has given us influence, the the spaces, the gifts, the opportunities. Man, in, in the evangelism class this morning, I don't know, there were 20 people in there. Just talking about ways that they've heard the gospel and, and shared the gospel and stumbled over things. And, and Aaron Debbie talking about, you know, him being a climber and just being open with his life and listening to the lives of others and all of the opportunities that he's had. And they've probably not all been great, right, Aaron? Like, yeah, not all great. But just to talk about the hope of a forever home that doesn't look like this one. We get to use our spheres and our influence, and, and no matter how we engage the people around us, we get, to, we get to ask a few questions, like if you find yourself confused or pushed or pulled or afraid or eager to fight, and you just don't know because the, the noise is just so loud, man, I get that. We get that, but, but the question we get to ask is, who, what, what are we fighting for? And who are we fighting against? Man, and if we, can, if we can answer those questions, the, the reality is we get to lean into those spaces. And what this is not saying is that, that we don't get to hate sin. It's not saying that we don't try to make bad things better. It's not saying that we don't get to plead for or bear with or stand against injustice within the community. In fact, it's, it's just the opposite. We get, to, we get to stand, and because we get to trust God, and because we get to do good We get to lean into those places. If you're always fighting against what you can't control, like everything other than the circumstances in your life that you can control, 
Just think about the things that enrage you. I get the, the climate of our culture. But if you're always fighting against things that you can't control, there are two things that you are. Miserable and ineffective. We get to be people that trust God wherever he has us and that do good for his glory, for our joy, and for the good of this world that we live in. So, so the call for God's people is to live holy lives. Live holy lives. And we say, what does that even mean? It means that we get to live lives that are set apart for God's glory. That means in the decisions, day to day, the small things, the big things, the way that we interact with, with coworkers and, and kids and, and all of the things, we get to be set apart to, to live our lives for God's glory. Live as God's people for God's glory where, where God has you. And that means that all of the things, if you're an artist, you get, to, you get to beautify the city through art. If you're an accountant, you get to have a balanced ledger. If you're a teacher, you get to care and you get to teach content. If you work in the medical field, you get to, you get to help heal people through the, the gifts and the wisdom that we have. If you're a, a builder, you get to make safe buildings. If you're a landlord, you get to treat renters with dignity. If, if you work for the police, you get to look out for the good of the society and the city. If you're a judge, you get to make good judgments. If you're a politician, you get to politish. Or whatever they do. Govern. I don't know. If someone sheds tears, you know what? We get, we get to shed tears. If, if neighbor needs a cup of sugar, you know what? We, do, do we get to tell them how wrong their lifestyle is? Or we could, we could give them a cup of sugar. There's this historic principle that, that's true now as much as it ever has been. That we get to be God's family just as much when we are scattered out as exiles. As, as we are when we are gathered together sitting under the word or, or in the temple or in the promised land. As much as when we are in a pandemic and in chaos. As much as when we are in comfort or anywhere when, uh, th that we find ourselves. We get to trust God and love our neighbor for your good. For the good of your neighbor. For the good of the city and for the good of God's kingdom. We get to establish roots, advance good. And the last thing, how do God's people live in a world that's not their home? We get to remember this isn't forever home. But it is our home for now. I, uh, I had COVID in early December and Ultimately, my, my uh, family all ended up testing positive, and we're fine, you know. Um, but I was the one that had symptoms, and they didn't. And so I was like, they sent me to this back room um, for, like, for like five days, <laughs> seven days. I was in this back room by, my, by myself, for, for real. And there was a, a bathroom off of it, and I had running water and, you know, some good things. 
Um, but I didn't come out of that room. The, the long hallway, I could see like our Christmas tree down the hallway, and it was like beautiful. And, and Kim was really kind, and she brought like Christmas lights and my own Christmas tree in the back room. And um, I saw Ireland a couple times, Titus, like I didn't see him the whole time. Hey, bud. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, and, and so I was weak. Uh, I watched a couple seasons of Alone on History Channel, right? And so Alone, they drop people off um, in a wilderness. And it's, it's like for real. No camera crew. You, you have your own cameras. And, and so they're like in Vancouver Island and in Patagonia and some other places. I watched a couple seasons. <laughs> they're in other places too, um, Mongolia. Um, and so there are people that go out there. And I mean, it's like find your own food and make your own shelter and do all the things. And there are, gosh, I, I, would, I mean, I could, maybe we could teach a class on how alone brings so much good uh, gospel opportunity. These people find themselves vulnerable and, and broken and just grown men just weeping because they're just, they're alone and they're hungry and, and hangry and all the things and wolverines attacking and all kinds of stuff. But there are people that go out there and they say, man, I'm like, I'm going to just show this terrain who's boss. I'm just going to endure. I'm going to survive. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And there's this one dude who's like, literally like, I'm not expending too much energy. And he like sat there for like a week his plan was like, well, uh, I'm not gaining energy, but I'm also not wasting it by finding, you know, fish. And other it's like, okay. okay, he's not playing the long game, but okay, you know, like. The people who do the best, they, they show up and the helicopter drops them off and they have their stuff. And they say things like, look, I, I'm not coming in to wreck, you know, wreak havoc on this place. Like, I want to learn from it and, and I want to. I want to thrive here and, and literally say words like this. Look, this isn't, this isn't my home, but this is my home for now. And I'm going to, like, make the best of it for as long as I can. When you're in a place that doesn't feel like home, we get to seek God and we get to do good. And we get to do that individually and we get to keep before us this hope of the one day that changes everything about the hope of this day and all of the uneasiness that this world offers is an invitation to trust God and do good and and God invites God's people pointing to God's love as the means to bring fellow exiles into their forever home with God and his people and he shows his character and his plans in part to the Jews as he offers hope to them. And so I want to read this on, on the way out. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. And then we see what God says. He says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will visit you and I will find you uh, and, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Wait for it. You ready? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. See, there's a context to that. Now when you read it on your coffee mug, you know this means something a little bigger, right? Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you, and you will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. 
and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Jesus is the apex of God's mission. He is the epitome of exile and redemption. And, and he was not carried away by a ruthless king to a world that, that is not his home, but he willingly became an exile in a ruthless world to bring the exiles, us, to our eternal home. And he sets the hope before us, and he sends us to set that hope before others. I want to invite Matt Tucker up to kind of close things down. Here's the thing. We get to do all of these things individually. You can come on up, Rachel. In community, wherever our groups meet throughout the week, and as a church in this place that God has us. Matt, you can say all the other things. on thank awesome i love it thanks so much guys so i get to wrap it up briefly because i know you're not here for another message but um what we get to talk about briefly is what does this look like for the village church and some of you will say man michael what you said was good and i'm going to go try to grow in that and others might say so what's the plan for the village church and both those things are good things and we want to address those briefly here and so what we get to talk about briefly is what is the plan for mission in Hamilton, Ohio, local mission. Um, I want to start with two passages of scripture. And if any of you know briefly, I have done a horrible job throughout the years of putting PowerPoint presentations on the screen. And so these should be good. Um, so I hope you can read them. Ryan, would you go to that first um, scripture, please? And so I'm going to read this out loud. This is one of the texts we're anchoring local missions in for the Village Church. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And maybe you can relate to this. I think this verse is so known, but it's also it's so practical, because it's so easy to be ashamed by something, right? And even, I think Joe said this, that, you know, we, we don't have to live up to a certain thing to, to share the gospel, but the gospel makes us... Um, equipped to do those things. And so we don't have to be ashamed of anything for the gospel itself is the power of God for what? For salvation. To take lost people who don't know anything about the hope of Christ, to give them that hope, and to lead them on a different trajectory in their life. Can we go to the next passage of scripture? Um, we actually preached on this in the last couple months, I think, and so maybe this is familiar. This is from 1 Thessalonians 2.8, and it says this, So being affectionately desirous of you, this is Paul talking, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very near and dear to, to us. And we love this passage as well. We're going to anchor our local mission in this, because it says two things. It emphasizes the gospel, which we would all affirm, but also it says this. It's not a project out there. It's not like you know, just numbers that we're trying to, to bring to Christ, but we get to love people. There are real people out there. There's personalities and souls and, and hurts and needs. And so we get to spread the gospel. We get to evangelize, but we also get to love people and share our lives with them. And so keep this passage in mind. As we look for a definition of local mission or how to kind of maybe just sum this up in our heads. This is, this is something I've been working on, and so this might change a little bit, but I hope this is helpful in getting this idea across. So this is the main idea for local mission here in Hamilton, Ohio, joining God in his work to make new converts and new communities in Hamilton, Ohio. And I think this kind of sums up 
the last um, passage of scripture we read. It's joining God to certainly share the gospel, but to also look to those communities and to see how can we engage? How can we care for schools? How can we care for our neighbor? How can we come um, alongside Pathway to Hope or these other organizations? And so both are important. Um, Scott talked last week about what your neighbor looks like. And so when we think of local missions as well, some of you might think, oh, local missions is, is talking to my neighbor and sharing the gospel. And, and that is a part of local missions. And others might say it's a trip or it's an activity or an event that we hold. And that could be true as well. But what I want to do is sum up local missions in three different ways. So we kind of have the definition of it, joining God in his work to make new converts and new communities in Hamilton, Ohio. And this is kind of like the three-part um, way we look at local missions. First of all, it is your neighbors. And this is the definition Scott gave last week. Your neighbor is anyone who happens to sojourn in this life alongside you. Your literal next-door neighbor, your coworkers, the people you live with, classmates, teammates, players on your team, your barista, your bagger at Costco, that's your neighbor, and they are a part of local mission that we all get to engage in. The second part is the village church neighbors, and this is one that we haven't had as much of a plan for, but we want to really grow in this year and as, as long as the village is around. The village church neighbors are those people and organizations and businesses that are directly located right around the physical 210 space. That's where we are this morning. We want to see people in the apartments over here at, at this place. We want to see um, organizations thrive that are right around us that are also doing good. And so we want to have a greater presence right around this location. And third, the city of Hamilton. We want to invest in and be a part of citywide initiatives and events with gospel intentionality. Contribute to the well-being of this city, like Michael preached today. Understand the hopes, values, and needs of the city and engage in the brokenness and contribute to its flourishing and invest in its future. And I know that's a lot. We will put all this out, but I just want to show you those, those three parts. Your neighbors, personally, the village church neighbors, second, and the Hamilton City at large. We want to invest in those three things, and that's how we kind of build out local missions. Um, as we think of local missions, and specifically the village church neighbors, that's what I want to address now, kind of setting aside one and three. We're going to talk about village church neighbors. Um, how we look at it as the people that live right around here, like I talked about, there's a lot of apartments in this area. Um, Ryan, would you put up the slide? This slide is a little ghetto. Um, I'm not a techie, but hopefully you can see um, maybe where we're talking about. So for the Village Church neighbors, we're not talking about, again, all of Hamilton. We're talking about kind of a square right around our church. If you can see it, our church is like a, a blue-ish um, little balloon top. I don't know what those things are called, um, tabs or whatever. And so that's kind of the area we want to emphasize. It's still a little big, but it's like basically Main Street or High Street um, down to, I think it's Pershing. I don't have it right in front of me here. Um, over to the river and then over to the Yellow Road, which I can't see. I know all these things. I just can't read them, and I'm nervous. Um, so there, that's that. We will put all this out there as well. But again, it's the people that live right around us, and it's the organizations right around us as well, like Pathway to Hope, Young, like young Lives, The Father's House, those types of things. And what we don't want to do is just say, hey, this is all what we're doing, but what we want to tell you next is how we can engage in those things. So for the present, for today, what does it look like for you to connect in this way, to listen to this message and say, okay, as I leave here, so what? So what I'm inviting you to do first and you might expect this, and that's good that you would expect this. Pray that God gives you a burden for those around you. I don't have a big enough burden for the people around me, and I, I admit that, and that's not great, but guess what? God gets to place that in us, right? God gets to, to, to grow this good desire in us, and so I'm praying, I am praying in my office, in, in our home, with our family, that God would give me a greater burden for those around me, for the village neighbors. 
Second, attend an evangelism class like we have with Joe Mulberg. That's um, two, two more Sundays. So it happened today. If you missed it, it's on you. Next two Sundays, please come. We'll make a bigger space. We'll have it out here if all of you show up, but we would love that. That's a way to grow in learning how to share your faith with those around you. Also, we would encourage you to write out your testimony. Some of us would say, I am, I'm a believer. I love Jesus with all my heart. I know that, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. But, but what did that look like for you? Because if you don't know how to kind of sum up your testimony in a short little, like, you know, one or two minute thing, gosh, that's going to be tough to be able to share your faith when it comes to another person that doesn't know you and doesn't know Christ. Um, fourth, know how God has gifted you for mission. Not everyone is going to be a speaker. Not everyone is going to be one who serves and, and maybe swings a hammer. And so maybe assess yourself. What, what did God give me? How did he equip me for the work that he has called me to do in this area? And lastly, for, for practical next steps, when you leave here today, maybe don't turn towards Main Street, maybe turn the other way and just travel around in that square, which we talked about, and just get to know the, the area around us. Um, for me, that didn't happen right away, and I've more recently been being intentional about saying, oh, I'm going to go left out of here, and just what is around me? What are the organizations? What are the houses? What are the neighborhoods look like? And just get to know that a little bit, and maybe even as you're driving, pray over those places. So those are the next steps for today. We have a lot that we want to do in the spring as it gets warmer. People will be out and about. We'll be out and about. We want to engage in practical ways as a church. And so we are firming up plans. We, it might look like a prayer walk. It might look like street evangelism. It might look like serving at Pathway to Hope or one of the other ministries around here, New Life Mission or the Father's House or whatever. It might look like stopping um, to, just, to just walk and, and just look and see who's around and get to know the people around this area and be available. Just sit on a park bench and say, gosh, like, what is happening here? We as a church might do stuff at Sims Park, which is about two blocks away. It was our goal to have our village birthday party there, and it was raining real bad that day, and so we didn't get to do that. But we want to be out and present and not just kind of, kind of trapped in this little bunker down here. And so that's a goal of ours is to be more out and about. Um, I'm going to close it with that because it is um, getting close to time, but here's what I want us to know as well. If you are a Christian, then you are a missionary. I was in a conversation a while back, and um, this, this person who meant well, we're talking about missions, and he's like, well, I, di I didn't get the gift of missions. And I was like, well, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a gift that God, like, puts down on you when you're a Christian or whatever. All of us, if we love Jesus Christ, are invited into telling other people about Jesus Christ. All of us, when, when we know the love that God has and, and when we know what he has done for us, we get to, to serve other people. We get to be for the city. We get to love those around us. We get to give the cup of sugar or we get to engage or we get to walk around and care for people and listen to the problems and the burdens that they have. And so that's what I want us to know today. If you are a believer here, if you love Jesus, then you are a missionary, and that responsibility is yours to carry, to burden, and to then engage in. We have to understand this. If we are going to um, effectively do missions, missions is, is on each of us to, to be a part of that. We don't have to live in guilt of something, but we get to say, gosh, what does that look like for me today? And it's so easy to go a month, and I, oh, I should do that, or, or two months, and oh, I should do that. So we just encourage you for each family or for each individual here, think today, even as you're driving home, what does it look like for me to, today to, to engage in that, to think about it, and then as a church, we will be putting out more stuff that we can do in the spring and in the next couple weeks and months. So I think there will be some questions. Oh, actually, I just 
this might seem goofy, but I just want us to say this. Would you just say out loud with me um, this? If um, I am a missionary, would you say it with me? Ready? I am a missionary. Let's let's say it one more time. I am a missionary because guess what? That might sound really cheesy, but if we don't believe that, well, then we're not going to do it. And I'm not saying by saying it out loud than we are, but we are missionaries. We're going to continue to talk about this. I'm a missionary. I want to, to be a part of what God wants to do, and I hope that's your desire as well. So thanks for letting me talk a little bit about this. Um, for the, the message in general, from Michael to my part, um, there will be some questions on the screen. Um, the message is over, but look at those questions on the screen. If you are here today and you're not a believer, um, man, we want to talk with you about how to know Christ. Um, nothing else may make sense until we get to say, gosh, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. And not that trusting him will make your life perfect. It won't. But it will give you hope, and it will it'll change your mind to, to, to know what we're talking about today. And lastly, we want you to pray. Um, communion is up here as well. Um, we might not have said this in a little while, but there is a wafer really packaged nice and neatly and so securely you can barely get it open on top. That represents the body of Jesus that was broken for you. And then the juice under that represents the blood that Jesus shed for you. And so in all seriousness, if you are a believer here today, please take that. Please reflect. Please repent and respond to whatever was said from Michael today. And also think about and appreciate the way Jesus saved you as those are reflections and reminders of what he did on the cross for us. So I'm going to pray for us. The band can come on up. And then please feel free to take part in all that. God, we need you. And we love you, and we don't pretend that we can change Hamilton in our own strength. God, please show us what you want. Please equip us for this work. And God, in my heart and in our hearts, give us a burden for people. Give us a love to serve. Let us know what you want us to engage in and how we get to do that. And God, by your grace, let us, for your glory, see fruit we want to see people in this city know you and, and, and be here. We want to, to see marriages healed. We want to see schools transformed. And we want to be able to be a part of what you want to do. And so, God, work in us and through us as individuals and as the Village Church to do this and to be a part of this. We, we love you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And we pray this in your good name. Amen.